So we're beginning this new series and I, I'm so excited about it. I love that opening graphic that we just saw because it, it, it's really indicative of the way culture works. We, we kind of think we're all walking in a little bit of a random direction, but it, it ends up, we all kind of end up pointing in the same way. And there are these truths that, that every culture of the world has that we start to just think, well, this is just the way things are. This must be the truth because everybody is pointing in that same direction. We've all come together and we all believe this, so it must be true. But the truth is that every culture of the world has issues or things that are actually not true when we compare them with what God says in his word. And that's what we're going to be unpacking in this series. A good example today of, of that to an extreme, I think, would be, would be in Russia right now. There, there are people in Russia, the majority of people in that culture at this particular time believe that the special military operation in Ukraine really is freeing that country from, from Nazis. That's what they think. That's the, that's the cultural view of what's happening. They do think that this is a just war. Everybody has come together. They're all pointing in that same direction. But from an objective perspective, we can see the falsehood of some of what they're thinking. So now let's try to do the opposite. Let's take a look at our American culture, which is extraordinarily hard to do because we're in that crowd of people that are all walking in that same direction and pointing in the same direction. But we, now we need to take a step back, compare what the world says with what God says, and try to figure out, is it really true? So in this series, we're going to be talking about the phrase, God told me. Anybody ever said that to you? God told me, and then they'll tell you what God told them. We're going to evaluate that. Is that something that's really biblical? Um, be you. Hey, you just be you. We're going to evaluate that in, the view, in view of God's word. Love is love. You've probably heard that one. Who am I to judge? And self-care. We're going to evaluate each one of those. Um, and with each one of them, I think what we're going to find is there is an element of truth in there. There is something good in each one of these. But where is the falsehood? We want to, we want to shine God's bright light on it. So today, we're talking about this, science is real. Science is real. Oh, hey, we can't dispute that one, right? Should we just go on to the next topic? <laughs> um, there's something more to talk about here, though. Uh, some people, you've heard this before, create this false dichotomy, this opposition between faith and science. And if you are a, a longtime believer in Jesus, you've maybe faced this before. Maybe you faced it in college. Maybe you faced it from, 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 from some of your friends. You might be talking about some things that you believe, and they say, well, that's, your friend might say, well, that's nice. I'm glad you've got your faith. You believe what you want to believe, but science is real. I'm, I'm all about science. If science proves it, then I believe it. But yeah, you go with your faith. I'll go with science. The two are opposites and never the two shall meet, is the world's perspective on science and religion. And my hope today is that I can show the falsehood of that, of that assumption, and that in reality, faith and science can perfectly fine coexist <laughs> together. Um, so, let me tell you something about me. I mean, that some of you already know, if you know me even a little bit, you already know this about me, but a lot of you don't know me very well, so you don't know this truth about me, that I love science. <laughs> I am a science geek, to be perfectly honest. 
Um, in my, I've done the Strengths Finder assessment. Learner is in my top five, and what I love to learn is about science. I love to learn everything about this world, everything about creation. When I was in seventh grade, you know what I asked for for my birthday? A chemistry set. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and in hindsight now, I have no idea why my parents bought it for me, but they did. And I set up the chemistry set in our shed. They didn't want it in the house because they didn't want to blow up the house. Um, and, and I loved it. I performed my experiments out in the shed and had so much fun doing it. Um, so I, I do, I, do, I love science. And when I graduated from, from high school, uh, again, something you might not know about me, I was 50-50 about becoming a pastor or becoming a research scientist. Those are kind of my two options. Well, you, you know which way I went, but... But my love of science has not faded at all. Um, and I still love to read articles. Anything comes across my newsfeed related to science, I'm probably going to read it. Uh, just a couple days ago, I was reading this article that, that I just happened to bump across. Wasn't looking for it, just found it. But it caught my attention because it was all about the fine structure content con uh, constant. You know, like the constants of the universe. There, it was about the fine structure constant. You know, that one that's depicted by the Greek letter alpha. You know that one, right? Um, and, and it was it was it was all about that's that's the one that's about how um, electrons orbit um, the, the nuclei of atoms and their their relationship to each other, their distances and and the constants that 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 figure out those measurements. There's an absolute constant that that dictates those things. Scientists have measured it; they've discovered it. But the the article was about how is that is that always true? Is it possible that at different places in the, gal in the universe at different times over history or maybe in the future that that constant might fluctuate just a little bit. And, and their proposal was, it's possible. We haven't, we haven't seen it yet, but it's possible. I mean, isn't that just staggering? What, don't you wish you had read that article? <laughs> I told you, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a geek. But if something, if something comes across about dinosaur fossils, you, you better believe I'm going to read it. If something comes, they, they've discovered something um, in, in the universe through their telescopes, I'm going, to, I'm going to read about that for sure. If it's about quantum computing, I'm going to read about that for sure as well. Um, and, and when it, you know, maybe uh, solid state lithium ion batteries, the, the next generation of what could possibly be in our cars and in our devices. Have you read about that yet? It's fascinating. Lots of people are working on it. I read all about it. Let me know if you want to know more information. I'll be happy to tell you. So, I love science. Have I proven that yet? Um, now, as I have gotten into science, here's something that you just have to know that I don't think is made very clear in our schools or in our media. And the truth is simply this. Science is good, but it's limited. Okay, so uh, you, you, you sensed my passion and excitement and joy about science. That's because it is good. But you also have to know that science is limited in what it can address, what it can discover, what it can say is real. It, it occupies a certain area. Here is, here is what science can, can deal with. Here is all of reality and all that can be true. Science only can deal with can can only deal with a portion of it. Here's why. Do you remember what the scientific method is all about? I know we're getting a little intellectual today. I'm sorry. The scientific method is simply this. I I have an idea about how things work, whatever that thing is. It's called a hypothesis. You have this idea of how things work. Okay, do they really work that way? Science 
requires you to find out. <laughs> so you have to do some experiments, you have to do some observations, you have to collect some data, and once you've done that, you can reach some conclusions based on the data from observation and experimenting. And therefore, you can, on, the, on that basis, say, this confirms my hypothesis, or it disproves my hypothesis. And then you communicate that to other scientists so that they can test your experiment. Was your experiment really sound? Um, they repeat it, they try to disprove it. Lots of other people join in. And at the end of the day, after all those experiments are done, we can either prove it or disprove it. That's what science is all about. What is required for science to take place? The ability to observe. The ability to experiment the ability to test. In spheres or areas where you cannot observe or experiment or test, science cannot apply. And if you really want to be scientific, then you need to only believe things that have been observed, experimented on, there's a collection of data, and it's been proven. So, it's true in a sense, science is real. What we observe repeatedly in different ways with different experiments, of course, that is true and that is real. Uh, but there are just some areas where science will not be helpful. Let me just give you a few. Um, the field of metaphysics. Um, it's a little bit spurious, but, but the very nature of reality and space and time some people, I, I've read about this recently as well, some people say, you know what? I think we're living in a computer simulation. You know, kind of like the Matrix. You're not real, you're a computer simulation, I'm a computer simulation, this universe is a computer simulation. If that's true, it cannot be observed or tested. It's all part of the simulation, right? So metaphysics, that whole realm actually, and not just that area, I, I, we're not in a computer simulation, but um, that particular area of metaphysics cannot be scientific by nature because it can't be observed or tested. Um, when it comes to philosophy, philosophy is not really all that scientific. It's more about logical arguments, but much less about observing experiments and testing. And yet it's a legitimate science, isn't it? or a legitimate study. History, by its very nature, is not strictly speaking scientific. You cannot observe or test what happened in the past because it happened in the past. Yes, you can look at some remnants that have been preserved from the past and make some assumptions and conclusions based on that evidence, but history itself is a little bit beyond the realm of science as well, and yet history is valuable to know and study, isn't it? And then we get into some other very important areas. When it comes to moral judgments and value judgments, do you need to make those? Should you have those? Yes, science will not help you in the slightest bit. That's beyond the realm of science. Are you looking for meaning and purpose in life? Do not turn to science. It will not help you. It will not even offer to help you. Um, when, when you. When it comes to anything spiritual or theological, that's beyond the realm of science. It has to do with things that are divine, beyond time and space, that are eternal. Science cannot apply to those areas. Now, the, the truth is this, that no one lives as though science is the only thing that's real. 
Yes, there are people that say it. Oh, I only believe science. I always follow the science. Only science is real. But in reality, nobody lives that way. You live your daily life, and so do scientists live their daily life with knowledge and truth that is outside of the realm of science. Some of the ways that we, we live our lives are by just simply based on our experiences, which isn't always overly scientific, but you make decisions and judgments based on your experience. You do so based on common sense. Have you ever tried to prove common sense to, some, to somebody? It is frustrating. Something that is self-evident to everybody on the planet except that guy, and he wants you to prove it, it's gonna drive you nuts but you live your life based on things that are common sense. Authority. Authority determines truth, doesn't it? For a lot of us, for in a lot of times, a lot of places, if a, a fully garbed fireman came through the doors and said, there's a fire in the building, I need everybody to exit the building in an order, orderly fashion, the exits are here and here, please begin now. I don't think anybody's gonna say, you know what, I'm gonna wait for the scientific evidence. <laughs> not smelling it, not seeing it, I don't believe it. No, you're going to take on his authority. You're going to take action, if you're smart, <laughs> because a lot of our reality and truth is based not on science, but on somebody else's authority. By the way, did you know that most of the science you believe, you are just taking on authority? Have you experimented, observed, and tested those very same experiments yourself personally to see it because that's really the only time you've experienced, you've done the science yourself. Otherwise, you're taking the authority of a scientist who says he has. And so you live on authority all the time. Intuition. Some more than others, you follow your intuition. You, you take action based on your intuition rather than science. Sometimes it's logic. Logic is not strictly scientific e either, but if, if A, if I know this and I know this, then, then logically this is what could happen next. I haven't seen it or observed it or experimented on it yet, but logically speaking, this would be the course of action I should take at this point. You, you work on logic. And, and one more I thought of was tradition. That, that based on what you were handed down from your parents, you sometimes do things not because of science, but, but because of tradition. So here, here's the important thing you need to know about science. There are important essential areas of your life that science cannot answer and never will. In fact, did you know that there are even areas of science itself where it's highly unlikely that we're ever going to get a scientific answer, even though it is within the realm of science, technically speaking? Uh, for example, the, the, um, when the Big Bang Theory, most people just accept it as true now. Did you know there's a really big problem in the Big Bang Theory that, that has not been resolved? And it is the the expanding nature of the universe, not just that it's expanding, that's not a problem, but it's accelerating in its expansion. That doesn't make sense. So gravity says expansion followed by contraction, Big Bang followed by whatever the opposite of that is. That's what should be observed. Are we still in the expansion phase? Have we started the contraction phase? Let's start evaluating the universe and what they discovered over 20 years ago was, it's not just expanding, but it's expanding faster and faster and faster. Why? Dark energy. That's why. So dark energy is this thing invented by scientists, never been observed, experimented on, or tested, other than the fact that the, the, the universe is expanding more quickly. Dark energy is a form of anti-gravity, I suppose, that is driving the universe apart faster and faster and faster, but there is zero evidence so far, n never been observed, never been created in a laboratory, 
and yet it consists of about 70% of the universe, allegedly. Okay, it's, that's in the realm of science, and it hasn't been discovered yet. Maybe it will be. Maybe, maybe I'll be proven wrong on this, but there's a huge gap in the theory that nobody told you about. You've even probably heard of dark energy, and yet dark energy is technically not scientific yet. Um, when it comes to the, I was talking about constants, about the constants earlier. Um, did you know that, that there are all of these different constants that are, that are they call it a razor's edge. They are pre, the, the universe is precisely tuned in every way. When it comes to the electromagnetic interaction, uh, gravity, um, nuclear forces, particle masses, the speed of light, all of these things are precisely what they are. And if any one of them were changed in the slightest bit, the universe could not exist. And scientists do not say, well, they are what they are because they have to be. Scientists will tell you, they don't have to be. Why is the speed of light 186,000 miles per second and not 189,000 miles per second? We don't know. It just is. But if it was 189,000 miles per second, this universe couldn't exist. So we have this Goldilocks universe on a Goldilocks planet with all of the conditions perfect and, and here is this complex life and this intelligent being asking these questions, how can this all be? Science does not have an adequate answer for those scientific questions. And much less so some even more important ones that are outside of the realm of science. Why is there beauty? Why is there love? There really shouldn't be. Who am I? Really? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? What is the meaning of life? What happens after I die? Don't look to science. You're not going to find answers. So, this all reinforces that one same point. Science is good, but it's limited, and probably far more limited than you've been led to believe. And I tell you that so that you'll believe this next statement and that you'll explore it more deeply. God is boundless, and he reveals what is real. Okay, so science can tell you this much, but God can tell you that much. God is boundless, and he reveals what is real. I talked, I talked to you earlier about that starting point group that's starting. I, I want to subtitle that group Reality 101, because we are learning in starting point the way things really are. And we're going to talk about things outside the scope of science. Why am I do the way I am? Why is the world broken the way it is? Who is God? What does he think about me? What has he done for me? How do I get right with him? How, how do I determine my meaning and purpose in life? How can I be free of guilt? How can I have joy and peace in my heart? Why is there love? What is love? How can I be more loving? Science isn't going to answer any of those questions, but starting point will, because God does, and it's in his word. And that's what we want to unpack in that, in that course. So, uh, Isaiah 40, verse 28 tells us, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. There is a God beyond time and space and this universe and science who knows it all, who created it all, who is wise above all things, and it is that God we want to know and love. 
But before we move on, let me just give you four quick ways that I think science is really valuable. I do love science and I think you should too. And there's four good reasons why I think you should. First one is this, science proves the wisdom and power of God. Science proves the wisdom and power of God. Psalm 19.1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hand. When you look at a starry sky, when you imagine the vastness of the universe, when you look at the complexity of a human hand, when you think about what goes into eyesight, something you take for granted every single day, when when you think about how life is not only complex, but all of life on earth is interdependent, you just, wow, God is amazing. God is so smart. He is incredibly powerful. If you study science more, you're going to appreciate that more and more and more. And I think that's a good thing. Second thing, studying science sharpens our logic and our reason. It makes you a more thinking person. And I think that's a very good thing to be. Um, There are some Christian churches out there that say, "Ah, don't examine these things. Don't question these things. Stay away from science. All you got to do is believe. We're not one of those churches. We think that science is awesome We think that you should be an intelligent, questioning person um, and that you need to grow your brain capacity and science will absolutely help you do that. Third thing, it helps, science helps us manage the earth. Science helps us manage the earth. Did you know that when God created the first human beings, he gave them a task? He said this, God blessed Adam and Eve, the first humans, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over everything, all the living creatures that move along the ground. Rule it. Subdue it. In other words, God says, I'm putting you here to be managers of all this stuff you see. This material world is under your management. Don't mess it up. Well, if I'm not going to mess it up, I better get busy on some science. I better start observing and testing and figuring out how this world really works so I don't mess it up for the fish, so I don't mess it up for the cows or the chickens or the birds, so so that I don't mess it up for us and future generations. God made us managers, stewards of this creation. Science helps us manage it better. And then the last one. Why science? Because it helps us better love others. A Jesus follower knows his love and wants to show that love to everybody in ever-increasing measure. Did you know that science helps you love people better? Um, One way science has helped this church is that this message is broadcast not just to the people in the room, but on the internet and technically across the whole planet, made possible by science. And more people experience the love of God because of that scientific technology. Science helps us create homes that don't collapse when earthquakes happen. Isn't that showing love to people? Science helps us produce more food to feed more people on our planet so people won't starve. Doesn't that show love to people? Science can help us give people better health, better quality of life. Isn't that loving? Embrace science so you can love others, so we can love others better. So, I love this, this quote uh, from, a, from a physicist named William Bragg. He kind of pulls it all together with this statement. From religion comes a man's purpose. Science will never give you purpose or meaning. From religion comes a man's purpose. From science 
his power to achieve it. I'm talking about in the material realm, not in our relationship with God, but in the material realm, your ability to manage the earth and subdue it comes from science. God gives you that purpose. Science gives you the ability to achieve it. Sometimes people ask if religion and science are not opposed to one another. They are in the sense that the thumb and fingers of my hand are opposed to each other. It is an opposition by means of which anything can be grasped. Your your thumb is opposed to your fingers, but it's why you can grab stuff. (laughs) Science and religion deal in different realms and in a sense are opposed, but only in the sense that it helps us to grasp things better. So, would it surprise you to know that one of Jesus' own disciples was a scientist? In a sense. So, I want you to, uh, to share with you a portion of Scripture uh, about, a, about a disciple of Jesus. We have an example in the Bible of him employing this scientific method. We see that this, uh, this, uh, this disciple had, had a hypothesis, He insisted on observing and testing that hypothesis and then analyzing the data himself for him to be able to reach a conclusion. That is called the scientific method, and this this disciple absolutely did it. And the name of this disciple is Thomas. We sometimes call Doubting Thomas. But I wonder if a better name would be Scientific Thomas, (laughs) as we're going to see in this reading that we're about to look at. Thomas, of all things, applies the scientific method to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Listen. Now, Thomas, also called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Okay, so it's, it's after Jesus' death, his burial. He rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. So that's, that's, the, that's the setting. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay, see see his desire to employ the scientific method? That's an interesting hypothesis you have that Jesus rose from the dead. That's interesting that you have observed, I have not. I am insisting that I perform my own experiments to verify your results from the data that you collected. That's doubting Thomas. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So I think that's fascinating. Jesus didn't say to Thomas, You doubter. He said, science time. I heard what you said. Go for it. (laughs) Put your hand in there if you want. And what was the result of this science experiment? Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus' statement here is fascinating. Thomas had the opportunity to see and observe. He did have the opportunity to employ the scientific method, as did hundreds of others who witnessed the resurrected Jesus with their own eyes. But Jesus does acknowledge that that time of seeing with our own eyes, 
that time passes, that has passed. And now we, we take the eyewitness testimony of those scientists who did explore the resurrection of Jesus, and they found it to be true. It goes on and says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Uh, if you read through John's gospel, you find, you find seven distinct miracles or signs that were the evidence, the proof, the scientific proof that Jesus was who he said he was, and he could do what he said he would do. He said, you, you've seen these signs. I, I laid them out here for you. Um, and then he says, but, but these are written. He said, there's a lot more, <laughs> way, way more than the seven I told you about in this book, but this is enough. This will, this will give you the idea. He said, but these are written, I put these seven in here anyway, of the, of the hundreds there were, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Okay, so John could have written a hundred more chapters. He could have put 70 more miracles, but hey, seven's enough. You get the idea. These miracles happened. People witnessed them. Jesus proved his identity. He proved who he was. He verified that he was God's own son, broke into our human existence, went to a cross, bled and died, and rose again to prove that you are forgiven of all your sins, all of your guilt, and that you are God's child. So here's the truth. Based on what we just read, faith doesn't float, but it is fixed on facts. Faith doesn't float on nothing. It's just out there. All you got to do is believe. On what basis? Just trust me. No, it is based on facts. And in a sense, our faith is based on the scientific method because people saw with their own eyes and reported it to us so that we could believe. Faith is based on facts. Faith doesn't float. Have you ever heard of the, um, the flying spaghetti monster? <laughs> so uh, in opposition to uh, when Kansas was trying to get evolution out of the schools and, and teach intelligent design in the schools, somebody came up with this brilliant idea of comparing the Christian faith or the, the idea of intelligent design to the flying spaghetti monster. And, and invented this religion where everybody, all of our followers, believe in this flying spaghetti monster. They were called Pastafarians. And adherents to this religion, they were, of course, mocking Christians by saying, there's no basis for the flying spaghetti monster, obviously, and there's no basis for your religion either. Can we just throw them both out, please? But that's just not true. Our faith doesn't float like the, flying, like the flying spaghetti monster who has no eyewitnesses, no history, no track record. Our faith rests on the eyewitness testimony of people who lived 2,000 years ago who saw Jesus, saw his miracles, saw his death, saw him risen, hundreds of them, and testified to the fact and were put to death saying it's true. So the, the thing here isn't, isn't like modern-day uh, religious fanatics that die for something they hope is true. These were people that died for something that they knew for a fact was true, or they knew for a fact it was a lie. Yeah, we made up that whole Jesus rising from the dead thing. Put me to death in his name anyway. No, they died for what they knew to be true because they had seen Jesus with their own eyes. 
So God has given you, not through science, but through his word, meaning and purpose in life. What's real is this. All who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ have eternal life. He is the real savior of all sin. He is God in human flesh, lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago. He lived, he died, he rose again. He reunites you with the heavenly father. Your sin and guilt are gone. The father looks at you and he smiles. You are his children. This is what is true. And for God's sake, literally, embrace science so that you can honor and worship God even more and so that you can love people to his glory even better. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for the amazing world you created, and thank you for giving us the intellect to be able to explore it and understand it, to, to unpack what's behind it all that you invented uh, so, that, so that we can understand the world we live in, so that we can manage it better, and so that we can give even more glory to you, the one who made it all. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to understand the role, the proper role of science, and to embrace that and celebrate it and engage in it even more but not to think of science in, uh, in terms that it is not intended. Science is not our God. Uh, if, if it were, it would be an ignorant one, a limited one, one that, that doesn't reveal so many important things in life. So that help us to understand it and use it for what it was intended for, but to understand that you are the God who made it. You are the God who is over it. You are the God who is beyond time and space and science. And you made us, and you love us, and you redeemed us in Jesus. Help us to know and celebrate this every day in Jesus' name. Amen.